Hello and welcome to the Trucking Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by two special guests from the London Philharmonic Orchestra, Damien Davis and Benji Goodchild. Hi guys, how are you doing? Afternoon. Very well. Hello, mate. Now, this is definitely one of the most specialist and unusual applications for road transport that I've yet covered in the magazine. Um, I've not yet encountered anybody that transports orchestra equipment around the country, but that's what uh, you guys are involved with full-time? Uh, myself is full-time as transport manager, Dougie. Yeah, that's right. Ben comes in uh, as a freelance when we need extra drivers. Got you. Now, the Philharmonic Orchestra, what kind of truck do they use? <laughs> okay, so straight into it, Dougie. Fine. We've just purchased, I say just purchased, uh, when the ULEZ came in, um, we obviously had to go Euro 6. We were running a Volvo FH Euro 5, uh, bought back in 2010. So we've just upgraded to the um, the brand new Volvo FH uh, 420. Um, but we've we've had to special uh, we've had to sort of make a special build um, for our particular vehicle uh, for a number of reasons. The um, the the way we operate is to uh, transfer the musicians' instruments around uh, nationally and and uh, both European and and nationally. So therefore, we're, we're we're on long drives, but they also need to be regulated at room temperature. Um, as you can probably imagine, the uh, the instruments are uh, super valuable. Um, they're very old as well, and some of them have been built in the 1600s. Wow. Um, so the temperature has to be regulated in the back of the vehicle. It has to be temperature controlled, and we would try and keep that at about a, uh, a room temperature somewhere between 19 to 21 degrees. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that, um, as uh, most of your listeners and readers would, would know, is that a lot of the cabs now uh, are only legally allowed to take two people a driver and a co-driver or a driver and a passenger yeah. we had a cut through in the back of our truck uh from it's basically a horse box so we have had the back of the cab cut out and specially adapted into a hab so that we can um transport a further two passengers or crew with us when we are traveling around it's just so that we can get to the places uh and, and unload as quickly as possible with the the specialist team that are involved when moving it um so we were quite excited actually when we first got her we've named her what we named her ben claudia Claudia. We've called her Claudia after Claudia Schiffer, the supermodel. Um, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful piece of equipment. We've also had a essentially a, a Luton tail lift in the back of the bulkhead so that we can raise some of the instruments above the others without having to break our backs. Um, again, this is for sort of safety uh, because again the, the, the timpanis that we use uh, the big drums that you see the timpanist bang at the back of the orchestra um creating that sort of thunder effect um they are they're pretty heavy they go up to about 100 kilos some of the drums so to actually hydraulically lift them up rather than manually lift up it's, it's not only safer for us but safer for the instrument as well uh and so far she's running beautifully dougie Oh, that's, re that's really good. Like I say, we're going to be doing a photo shoot on the truck tomorrow in London on location, which is really good because obviously the truck spends an awful lot of time in the city centre and in urban environments. 
things like that. So obviously you'll have had to have it spec'd up to London Direct Vision Standard as well. So I guess you'll have a full complement of cameras monitoring equipment in the vehicle as well. He's loaded, absolutely loaded with cameras, which comes in very helpful. Well, it does. I mean, you know, in any, any city centre environment, you've got to have eyes on the back of your head almost with all that's going on between, uh, you know, cyclists, pedestrians, other road users, taxis, buses, everything that's going on. So, that's right. I mean, we, op- we opted for the Brigade 360 back eye um, so that you can see all around the, the camera precisely for that reason. Um, because obviously, yeah, in the urban environments, London is not an easy place to drive in, as we all know. Uh, it's getting more and more challenging uh, as each year goes past, especially with now the uh, you can hire scooters that don't necessarily um, abide by the Green Cross code. <laughs> um, and of course, it records it onto a hard drive as well. So uh, very much like it's similar to a dash cam that people nowadays very much use in the front of their cars. It would record absolutely everything all the way around the truck. So if anything came down to some form of insurance claim, God forbid, um, we would be able to prove that hopefully we, neither Ben or I would be in the wrong. <laughs> So what's the setup um, when it comes to going out on, on the road? Does the, the orchestra go on tour at times and then you would be going to different venues sort of night after night, sort of night, so do they tend to go to one place and stay there? Uh, ben, would you want to answer that one? <laughs> it's a bit of both really, isn't it? Um, yeah. There's quite a few down on the south coast, sort of Brighton and Eastbourne, that they might jump in and out of. But, um, you know, we may do... Uh, Eastbourne and then the next day be back up in Henrywood Hall for a rehearsal and then back down to Eastbourne or off to Saffron Walden. So it's, it's quite varied, really. How many people are, are on the team for driving the truck and also are there guys that are just involved with the loading and unloading? Because I guess it, you would have to have a fair amount of training in the manual handling and things to handle these instruments that are 500 years old that are you know, have to be, they're very sensitive and need to be kept at ambient temperatures and things. They wouldn't take kindly to being like bashed off walls and stuff like your average (laughs) remover might be inclined to, you know, not be too bothered about. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, the the, the team sort of, the full-time team mainly consists of uh, a a lady named Laura Kitson, who's a stage stage manager, myself, uh, Damien, who's... uh, um, transport and deputy stage manager. We also have another stage manager with us, uh, Stephen O'Flaherty, that's joined. Uh, ben would be uh, sort of uh, is currently our lead co-driver at the moment, um, and has been on tour with me to both Bucharest and Turkey in the last couple of months. Oh, um, that's, that's a good trek. Yeah, it certainly is, mate. Um, we uh, we got back uh, oh crikey, three weeks ago, I think about now. Um, and uh, the, the, the team actually are uh, the freelance crew that we use. Um, they have had experience and do have experience with other orchestras uh, and opera companies up and down the country. Um, because you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, the instruments, if I was to tell you the value of one of our bases, uh, which is close to maybe £350,000, you don't want just some guy chucking it in and, uh, and chucking it back on the lorry. It does need to be handled, you know, specifically and in a certain way uh, you've got harps 
uh, cellos, all these bigger instruments um, other than your sort of your flutes or your woodwind or stuff like that. They do need to be handled really carefully. So on a typical day, Ben and I would perhaps pull pull into the venue and we would load out uh, or load in rather with about maybe four crew, four or five crew. Four or five, yeah, depending on yeah. the gig. Uh, so how long have you been involved with the the orchestral transport sector, Damien? Um, how do you how do you get into something like that? Is it just kind of by chance? <laughs> uh, well, I've been with the London Philharmonic Orchestra for eight years now, full time. Um, Ben's just started. Uh, where did you start, Ben? It was uh, May, June. Yeah, yeah May, June of this year. Yeah. It's not been long. We, although Ben and I have known each other for about uh, well, 25 years. We're sort of related, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the history behind myself as falling into this kind of job was I, I was an actor for 20 years and I needed to do something to supplement um, uh, the, the, the sort of <laughs> the... And a very good one, were you? Yeah, is there anything, no. we might, anything we might have seen you in? Have you been in, like, The Bill or Doctor Who or EastEnders or anything? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I did a few bits and pieces, but, uh, again, yeah, that's probably and that's another story for another time. <laughs> Nothing uh, noteworthy. <laughs> uh, yeah, OK, mate, OK, leave it. <laughs> we're going to go, Google you now anyway. Yeah, I, uh, I I basically was um, a humper. I was um, a flight case mover for the BBC Symphony Orchestra, uh, which a friend of mine got me a job in at the time uh, to supplement income in between acting jobs. And I said to the stage manager at the time, look, I fancy driving that thing. He was driving a, a Merck truck, uh, 40, 44 tonne, I think, um, 15 metre jobby in it. And she looked so lovely. And I've always loved driving. And I just said, look, if I can get a license to drive that, would I have more chance of work? And he said, mate, he said, you drive that, come old dust. Not only are you a uh, uh, class one truck driver, which there is an extreme shortage of, as we all know at the, at the moment, but because it's a specialised industry of orchestral logistics, um, you would be employable beyond belief. So I did. Um, and I said this to, to Ben many years ago. I said, if you take your licence, mate, I said, uh, you'll never be out of work. And, you know, funnily enough, here we are now. Brilliant. Now, you said that you've been to, you've done two trips abroad to European runs. Uh, and you were, you were out on those runs, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to, where did we go? We went to Romania first, didn't we? That was a good two-week little jolly. Well, it wasn't a jolly, it was working, but it was a good good fun trip. Got to sort of see some really nice places. And there's Damien said, we just come back from Turkey. That was quite a drive, six days, wasn't it? There and six days back. Yeah. That sounds so, great yeah. to me. I, that, that, that sounds like, you know, right. I would be right up for that. That's touring, it, across, it touring very... across Europe in a brand new Volvo. What's not to like? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> how did how did you how do you get on? If, if things changed uh, with Brexit in terms of moving the goods, is there like a lot more paperwork and organisation for you to do now? Because I know that was it. I think it was Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend were quite vocal about the problems that might have been encountered, uh, and they weren't we weren't sure how things were going to be sorted out for musicians and bands touring from the UK going into Europe. 
So how has that been and how's things have things changed noticeably since we've come out of the European Union? I'll, um, I'll let you take this one, Damo, since I have no previous experience. <laughs> well, Ben's just coming into the familiarity of what uh, we now have to use due to Brexit, which is called a carne, uh, which is your temporary import and export license. So what you promise to bring into Europe, you promise to take back out. You're not working for hire and reward. You're working on an own account basis. And since we uh, left the European Union, we now have to declare a carne on the goods that we take in across uh, from, well, into France or, or the Netherlands or wherever your, uh, your port of entry may be. Um, it adds a lot more time. Um, there was a, I mean, th th there has been so much discrepancy and controversy about uh, queues on the uh, on the motorway trying to queue in to get into the tunnel or at Dover to try and get over on the ferry or Harwich or wherever that may be. Um, so far, uh, it's been a fairly smooth transition. The only issues that Ben, well, um, to, to sort of bring a case in point, Ben and I got all the way to Greece um, when we were trying to cross the Greek and Turkish border. And one of the customs officials at Dover um, had missed our small stamp on the front page. Grantedly, uh, sorry, uh, I, I admittedly take um, partial responsibility for not seeing that. But the fact of the matter is it wasn't stamped. I looked for the exportation stamp on the counterfoil, which is what I would usually look for. Took it for granted that he'd stamped the front of it next to the Chamber of Commerce uh, page. And uh, we were nearly not allowed to enter Turkey. We were nearly not allowed to go in. As it turned out, we, uh, we were allowed into Turkey, but we weren't allowed to leave until we had that front page stamp. So uh, we had to get some colleagues to send... Uh, the carne back to the UK whilst Ben and I were in Turkey waiting for it after the concerts uh, and uh, and get it sort of, you know, sorted out. But the paperwork is, yeah, I mean, it, but all paperwork is, uh, is, is, is not welcomed when you just want to hit the road and you just want to get behind the wheel and, and cruise. Um, but unfortunately, it is now becoming a lot more bureaucratic. Um, mm. You know, that's just the way that's just the way it is that uh, we've been told that within maybe three to five years, they may grant some form of cultural exemption for uh, bands, for um, artists to cross over. I know that visas, some countries have had a reciprocal agreement whereby they can work in other countries. Um, but for trucking, uh, I think we're a long way off, Dougie. And that is uh, that's the that's the major issue. Yeah, the problem you've got with so many politicians in Europe and the UK, they don't have any understanding of transport and they don't, they're not switched on enough to go and ask somebody who would know how to go and solve some of these issues. So they say it gets mired in bureaucracy, which is unnecessary, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's in the most part smooth. But, you know, that, that missing stamp is probably going to make some guy's day at border control. They'll be like, yes. He can go and, he can go and uh, wield whatever powers he's got to go and make somebody's life awkward right up his street. I mean, I mean, Ben, this is a you were previously not in the transport industry. You've moved no. across into this quite recently. So how are you? How are you enjoying it overall? This complete change of scenery. Uh, what's not to love? You get to drive some 
lovely big machines and um yeah get out and see a bit it's great fun absolutely love it what's touring's nice sorry sorry i said the touring's nice because okay. you know getting to see loads of new landscapes and stuff like that and decent food and it's cracking i love it definitely we're quite, we're quite fortunate in a way when we tour because um <clears throat> we we have to make sure the trucks parked in in secure locations uh and in order to get the, the the decent rest we we are quite lucky then when we are resting we usually get a hotel along the way so we're quite fortunate in as much as we get a hot shower and a, and a hot meal in the morning we don't <laughs> often make the restaurant in the evening but at least we've got breakfast in the morning before we sort of set off so we would uh route plan to make sure that the uh, the, the journeys of where we stop, because we're probably on average doing 15, 16 hour days um, within the cab. It's, uh, I mean, I, I know that a lot of drivers, especially European drivers, that they, they live, eat and breathe in, in their cabs. Um, and especially with the cab that we have had adapted, I think it's, it's fine, but where possible to actually get a proper bed for the night and a little bit of uh, separation between yourself and a co-driver <laughs> um, is, is always uh, um, welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I have seen, I noticed on the website for Oakley, one of the other trucks on the same page is uh, one of uh, Gilly, uh, Eric Gilly horse transport from the Scottish Borders. I've got some fantastic horse boxes and I did do an article on the latest one of those right at the end of 2019. And I do remember you've got the two seats in the front and then you go back and it's got like a sort of kitchenette area and it. it's, you know, it's kind of like a motorhome almost. Is that the kind of same setup that you've got in the Volvo? Or does it, does it have like beds above the windscreen? It's... Yeah, it's very, it sounds very similar. So we've got a, a, a bed above the driver's and passenger seat, which come down hydraulically. And then there's a, another bed uh, flip down job just above the seats in the back and yes there's a little kitchen in there and we have a George Foreman on the go bacon <laughs> butties tea <laughs> and coffee that's good stuff so <laughs> do, you, do, do you find that is there any kind of patterns to the touring does it kind of do things get busy at Christmas or during the summer at particular times of year or can it just be anything can happen at sort of any time you're kind of on the go with something continuously? Uh, so uh, there's many years of preparation for both international and European tours. Uh, promoters like to try and book their programmes at least two to three years, sometimes in advance. Wow. So uh, any sort of European touring um, is usually in the diary uh, a couple of years before we know about it. We would start to talk about it a year before. So there's plenty of, of planning and prep work done uh, prior to tour. I've actually... My Myself, just come back from uh, a 10-day tour in Germany um, uh, to sort of lead into your last question we couldn't use our own truck due to Brexit rules now uh, because we're not allowed to do more than two concerts in one territory and a concert in another territory before returning the truck back within seven days so we've had to outsource to a European firm or rather a bridgehead company in Ireland that drove for us for the 10 days to be uh, to conform with the with the, the Brexit rules um, but yeah, the sort of the, the, the basically the, the schedule would come in, uh, the advanced schedule would come in. We'd have about 12 months to, uh, to, to look, look, look over the schedule. 
Uh, and we would do as much prep work as possible because the driver's hours and it, it's not conducive. This job is definitely not conducive to, to driver's hours or regulation at all. You know, um, we are working, we're doing load-ins at 8am in the morning and we're loading out at 11.30 at night. And there's usually a lot of truck moving or instrument work during the day, especially with myself. I do have to do stage management as well. Uh, so I can't do more than a 15-hour day, but therefore we've got to try and work out how and where I get my breaks. So obviously I could drive in and if the truck needs to be moved, Ben would take it somewhere else. I would help to assist on the stage management side. Um, and then I wouldn't do the loadout, but then Ben would have a nine hour or 11 hour. And then he'd come back in, do the loadout uh, with some of the crew. Um, so it's the, the more preparation we can, we can achieve even uh, sort of six months to a year beforehand on the, on those dates. And um, I think the, the more equipped we are to deal with the, the sort of the specialised rotor, if you like, of the orchestral programme. Brilliant. So is there any, are there any places in particular that you like to go? Are there any venues or cities that are particularly good? And are, there, are there any cities that are particularly challenging to sort of get in and out of? <laughs> All on, of then. them. Where, <laughs> where were we in Romania? Uh, Timisora, was that the one? <laughs> that yeah. was just a start. That was a nightmare. Absolute what was it called? Nightmare. A place called Timisora. It was we had a had a, a night stop there on the way down to Bucharest, wasn't it? And yeah. um, there was oh, it was so tight, so tight. It was unbelievable. We ended up driving on a bloody tram line, didn't we? Grounding <laughs> <laughs> her out on a curb. <laughs> horrible, horrible place. It's like the trouble, you know. Once you start going down a road that perhaps you shouldn't have taken. You know, you're, you're in it, aren't you? You know, you, you kind of think, right, how, if uh, if I've got myself into this mess, I've got to get myself out of this mess. And uh, it's not just a question of reversing out. I mean, that morning in Timmy Sora, we'd had a stop and we checked our route. And uh, Tommy, the sat nav, was sort of like saying, bare left, I bared left. And suddenly, we, but what was the bridge height, Ben? It was 3.2, 3.4. 3. 3. 3. 3. 3. 3.2 or 3.4 metres. Well, Claudia's 3.8. Mm. Um, so Ben jumped out in the high vis and I had to reverse, I don't know, maybe 500 metres back onto the road where we started. You know, not a good start to the day. Um, well, the cities, I mean, we, 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 we've been fortunate enough to be in quite a few beautiful cities, really, I think, driving wise. Um, uh, we stopped in Vienna, didn't we, Ben? That was yeah, Vienna was nice. nice. Yeah. I've been there, yeah, that was nice. Uh, and uh, where else? I mean, you, you, you sort of the. I think it's more the drive to the venues, really. Mm. Like the, you know, like Ben and I went through six different, uh, five different countries uh, to get to to Romania and to Turkey. There's uh, obviously France, all kind Italy, of, Greece. It all, it all kind of merges into one when you <laughs> sat behind the glass, and it it just sort of, oh yeah, that's nice. Oh, that's where are we now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've just got to look out for the tram lines you've got to look out for the overhead cables in some of the the sort of the older cities um i think i did one gig in ravello down in southern italy uh which was up a mountain it was a, a one track lane um which was super bendy super curvy if you met something coming the opposite way it was just a question of who was who was going to be prepared to reverse first. And of course, when you're, you're facing with a 3.8 meter, you know, Volvo FH, usually the cars 
do have to give out. But Italian drivers are quite stubborn. They expect you to reverse, you know. So uh, the further south you go, the the crazier they are. I found in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but Ben's got the charm, you see. I, I, I sort of lose my patience a bit. Ben will just stick his head out the window and go, okay, mate, well, you know, how's this going to work? Or he usually manages to charm them, don't you? Yeah, pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> now, in terms of, you've also got the people who play the instruments, the musicians. How many of them are there and how do they get around? Do they go on a tour bus or do they tend to get flown in from uh, London and then fly back out? How does how does that side of the operation work? Uh, so, yeah, a little bit of both, really. Um, they would fly in um, for the start of the tour. Um, if it's longer than sort of two or three days in Europe, then they would either coach or train, depending upon the, the, the length of the journey. Um to, to bring you back to this last week, uh, we no. flew out to Stuttgart and then we uh, trained to, um, uh, where were we? I think we had to get to Munich, so we would catch a train. Um, the truck obviously would leave overnight and uh, we would travel for about four or five hours. Then we'd get into the venue, uh, set up, then we would rehearse, do a sound check. Uh, then the concert would happen, then we'd do the load out, uh, then we'd go to bed, and then the next morning, yeah, we'd probably catch a train or another coach for about two hours, 45 minutes, three hours, something like that, uh, to the next venue. I mean, geography's not always on your side, is it, when you're touring? I wish it was um, easier, but um, sometimes due to the programming of it all, it doesn't quite work in your favour. You're ending up bouncing from east to west or north to south all the time. Um but the musicians are always traveling to the next venue. Um, the same wherever the truck goes that they, they sort of, they have a long day too. Um, and, uh, yeah, that they work just as hard. Brilliant. No, that's great. I mean, is there anything else you think we've missed out or you'd like to add into that? Cause you've got your, you're both going to be there tomorrow at the photo shoot. Yep. Right. Both be there in the morning. Cool. I say I, I'll be relatively close by because I am driving down to Heathrow, but I'm flying out to Stockholm in the morning, uh, courtesy of Scania. So it was like so near yet so far, but I'm glad that we're managing to get the photos done in London in a proper location. That'll be ideal rather than just finding some random industrial area and sticking it there. I think the key to it is to have it, you know, where it and its natural habitat, shall we say. It's, it's a pretty building in Henry Wood Hall, isn't it? Yeah, very pretty. Yeah, yeah, beautiful old church. That'd be good. Dan's a great photographer as well. He's really familiar with London. He's he's only based out in Kent, so he's not far away at all. So he'll keep you right for that. That's that'll be great. No? Well, I, I hope you look forward to seeing the pictures, Dougie. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely do. This is this is a good thing. I like doing this. Is, it's a relatively new thing where we go and do the magazine feature and do a podcast to kind of run alongside things. But it's something I'm trying to do more and more. We've got over 100 episodes of the podcast now. Um, and it's just it's picking away. We've picked up an advertiser who's coming in for it there as well. So um, it's been quite a long, long journey with it. But it didn't help when we ran straight into COVID as well, because that kind of pushed everything off the rails. And then a lot of the podcasts last year were very much of their time when you're talking about what's happening right in front of you, the lockdown there, you know. But this this podcast would you could listen to this in a year's time and it would still be as relevant as it is today, pretty much. So that's great. So thank you very much for coming on. Um, 
Uh, thanks for your time, and I, I look forward to seeing the photographs. I've probably I've been taking notes as we're talking, but I'll probably speak to Laura as well. I think's maybe coming along tomorrow. Did Ruth mention that? Uh, Laura, the stage manager. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Great stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Because I think that tomorrow um, will be just uh, for the photographs, it'll be Laura, Stephen, Ben and myself. Um, so uh, that's the current team we have at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm glad you'll be talking to Laura. Laura can give a, a more of a stage perspective on it as well. And she'll be because I'm actually leaving the London Philharmonic Orchestra at the end of this year, sadly. Oh. Um, and um, <laughs> Laura will probably be taking on the, the stage and transport as one responsibility uh, for the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, it would be good to sort of get her take on it. No, no, that's great. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, this will be out a week on Wednesday. So I'll right. come out before the magazine comes out because the magazine you're in won't be out until January. Um, which is, I mean, say January now, we're nearly in December, so it's not really far away at all. I'm just, mm-hmm. The fact yeah, that Christmas is catching up on us is just alarming as usual. It's worse every year. <laughs> so that's great. I say thanks very much, guys. That's been really interesting. Uh, no worries. Listeners enjoy it as well. So thanks very much, and I'll, I'll be in touch after you've had the photo shoot done. Cracking. Have that's a good afternoon. Time. Thank you. Cheers, one, guys. Take care. Yeah. Cheers. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.